Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George and Joe today. George, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? You doing great? You sure about that? I don't know, man. The Bills lost today. You know what? You win some, you lose some, but overall, can't complain. I'm doing pretty good. You know, Lakers won that chip, so nothing can ruin my vibe right now. But I do want to give a, a huge shout out to all of our listeners who are listening. Uh, I looked at some of our analytic information. It says we got some listeners in Ireland, Canada, and Singapore. So much appreciation to everyone that's listening. And if you enjoy, you know, our content, you know, please share with your friends. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So some of today's feature topics include who is the best teammate LeBron has ever had? Was firing Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov the right move for the Atlanta Falcons? And how impressive was the Saints comeback win over the Chargers? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. LeBron James has won his fourth championship in year 17. He now has won a championship on three different franchises. Every team he has been a part of has had another player that we consider to be the next best player on the team. So, George, who is the best teammate LeBron has ever had throughout his 17-year career? I'm going with the one and only Dwayne Wade. So I'm picking Dwayne Wade as his best teammate that he's had. So in the 2008-2009 year, Dwayne Wade was third in the MVP voting. He led the league in scoring, had seven and a half assists per game, 2.2 steals, and a 30.4 PER. He was already a champion without LeBron James and had a finals MVP. Now when the duo linked up, They were amazing with perimeter defense. On top of their great defense, they were both a scoring juggernaut. And back in 2011, LeBron James was averaging 26.1 points per game. And Dwayne Wade was averaging 25.4 points per game. You know, they were combining for 51.5 points per game. Both had the ability to get buckets at the rim at will and were also deadly with the mid-range game. Even if we put all the stats aside and we just look at these two and how they play together, it seemed like every play was a highlight reel. The steals, the lobs, the dunks, the electricity that these two brought to the court was memorable and they made classic highlights that have been that have been and will be shown forever. These two on the court were something else, I tell you. But the reason I'm putting Dwayne Wade as his best teammate is because he taught LeBron how to get over the hump and how to become a champion. Without Dwayne Wade, who knows how LeBron's career turns out. We almost 
for certain know that in Cleveland, he wouldn't have won a championship. Not only did Dwayne Wade show him how to be a champion, but he also gave LeBron the reins to the team. He told LeBron to be the number one option and to be the man, and he'll figure out the rest. For those reasons, I got to say Dwayne Wade deserves a lot of credit and has been LeBron James' best teammate. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Jill? I believe LeBron James' best teammate is and still is uh, AD because I uh, because he doesn't have to rely on AD's uh, shooting, only his post-playmaking skills. Yes, he won championships all three, but LeBron and AD, they feed off each other's energy, and that was a sight to see, and it could be pretty exciting to see what comes after. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Joe. I think the best teammate he's worked with by far is Anthony Davis. Dwayne Wade is obviously the next best choice, but Dwayne Wade had maybe one or two good years with LeBron before his injury started plaguing his career. He averaged 21.2 points per game, 5.0 rebounds per game, and 5.1 assists per game during the regular season while with LeBron when, we, when they won their titles. Anthony Davis is averaging more points per game rebounds per game and has a higher three-point percentage he's bigger he's stronger and he can and he's shown that he can take those uh that he can close late in the game by taking those big shots especially in the postseason when uh especially this past postseason he's also a runner-up for defensive play of the year so it's not just his offense it's his defense too he's younger and he's going to develop more chemistry with lebron over time which is why I believe he is by far the best teammate LeBron's ever had. Yeah, I mean, if we also take into context, like, which Batman did each Robin get? So what version of LeBron did Dwayne Wade get? What version of Anthony Davis did he get? Uh, When Dwayne Wade got LeBron, he received a player that wasn't a finished product yet, wasn't polished, wasn't considered an all-time great yet, wasn't a Mount Rushmore type of player yet, which is who Anthony Davis had the luxury of playing with. When LeBron took his talents to South Beach, he was lacking in many more areas and his game was also lacking confidence in going to the free throw line and in big games where he often disappeared. Dwayne Wade played the big brother and mentor role to LeBron James to elevate his game in which AD inherited. Without Dwayne Wade, Who knows if LeBron ever becomes his best self or becomes a champion? We have to credit Dwayne Wade with so much more than we look uh, when we look more into the totality of what was created with their partnership. It was more than wins and championships, but also a mindset and confidence that was instilled into LeBron with his time in Miami. What are your thoughts to that, Andrew? Yeah, I don't know. I'm still... I'm still going with uh, Anthony Davis. I think that keeping in mind which LeBron, which version of LeBron he got, uh, or, or both of them got, yeah, I mean, I think that's also something to be taken in consideration. This version of LeBron is in year 17 versus, you know, the previous version of LeBron. And Uh, I mean, you can argue that this version of LeBron is smarter. He's better 
what's what's the word? His his IQ and uh and his just ability to like you know control the game is better than the LeBron that we saw with Dwayne Wade, but you know a lot of that a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know he switched to he switched to being you know just the the complete floor general. You know, he's listed as point guard, I think, in my opinion, too. That plays a big role. Uh, I think that when you take all things into consideration, that it's still, to me, it still says, though, that because you have to keep in mind, too, that the previous LeBron is a lot more athletic. The previous LeBron that we saw with Dwayne Wade, yeah, he was a lot more athletic. He played more like a true small forward versus the LeBron that we see now, which plays more like that, you know, like, like I talked about that floor general, you know? So I think that LeBron has made great strides in becoming a leader since the Miami heat days. I think that, you know, he, he, he was a good leader then, but he's become a better leader and a better captain for his team, so to speak. And, and his right-hand man, and in my opinion, the best right-hand man he's ever had is Anthony Davis. But I want to say this though, because we, you know, we've talked, we're talking about the best player, but Rajon Rondo, who is, this is the first time he's playing with, this is the first time he's playing in a champion, uh, in a playoff setting, in a championship setting with LeBron. And let me just say, Rajon Rondo, I think is the most underrated player he's ever played with, because think about it. This is a ball handler who has the championship experience, the defense. He's an underrated rebound uh, rebounder, especially on the offensive glass. And of course, he has the best IQ on the court besides LeBron. It's interesting to think about. What are your thoughts on the chemistry between Rondo and LeBron? Yeah, I mean, both super smart, high IQ. And, you know, Rondo, he's sneaky, he's slithery. And that's how he gets a lot of those rebounds that you're talking about. Um, but you know, when we look at everything, I still got to say that Dwayne Wade brought more to the table for LeBron James and his career than Anthony Davis has been able to do. Uh, what are your thoughts, Joe? You see, I'll still say it's my gut will still say it's AD because yes, um, when LeBron James was on the heat with Dwayne Wade, there was also that other player, Chris Bosch. That was also a help that would get either one of them open. And on the Lakers, it's just LeBron James and AD. Yes, you could say Rajon Rondo, but I'll, I'll excuse him from that. It's just these two compared to those three. These two, these two pairings are a sight to see. Yeah, Joe, <clears throat> and that kind of brings up one of the points that I was going to address to Andrew's point on, he was saying that Anthony Davis, you know, averages more points than Dwayne Wade did. And that does have to play a part with the fact that it's just a duo versus a trio that they had in Miami. So obviously there's going to be more points. And especially at this stage in the career where LeBron James did say, you know, that he was going to run the offense through Anthony Davis. And that has to do with, you know, the age that LeBron is at versus back then where Dwayne Wade told LeBron James to, you know, take the reins of the team and be the man and not to 
you know, think of it as Dwayne Wade's team because that, that's how it started, you know, because he did join Dwayne Wade in Miami. So he was playing more, you know, kind of that Robin when in reality he was that Batman. And it took Dwayne Wade to tell LeBron James, hey, you know, you're better than me. You know, I know this is I was here first and this is my team or was my team, but you're the better player. We got to run through you. So, Drew, what are your thoughts with all that? I think I think that just proves the point more that Anthony Davis has been the better teammate that he's had because Anthony Davis is 100 like Anthony Davis 100% can be the guy when, you know, an aging LeBron is not able to go full throttle every game like he used to back when he was on the Heat, you know? Uh Dwayne Wade, of course, Dwayne Wade's a great player, but he he clearly was not the best player on the team. LeBron was. LeBron is still the better player on the team when it comes to these two, but LeBron can't carry the load every single night. He can't he can't be the all-star athlete caliber player that he was on the Heat, uh, going hard every minute of every game for every night. Uh, I just don't. He, he just can't do that at this late in his career. He has, he has shown us that, you know, regardless of the, regardless of the, regardless of the fact that he can't do that, like he can't play defense as well as he used to, for example, he has shown us though that he can still, you know, he can still produce on the offensive end and that's good, but it's clear that Anthony Davis is, the offensive and defensive juggernaut on the Lakers, which is why I'm saying that Anthony Davis has, is the best player still that he's ever played with. Yeah. I mean, when, when they're in Miami, like I said earlier, they're both averaging over 25 points. So, you know, Dwayne Wade was more than capable of carrying the load any given night as well. And then on top of, you know, games where LeBron James disappeared a lot back then and Dwayne Wade, you know, was able to do his part and play just Dwayne Wade's impact compared to Anthony Davis's impact, I think is much greater when we look at it. Because like I said, you know, without Dwayne Wade, who is LeBron James? We might not be looking at a top five, top three player in the history of the league. We might be looking at a top 15 player who never won a championship. So I think when we look at that and we take that into context on how he was able to help LeBron become the champion, be, get over that hump, add things to his resume that he didn't have prior to Dwayne Wade, I think speaks more volumes than, you know, Anthony Davis maybe being able to hold down the fort in this late of his career. And yeah, I just think the impact when we look at it just changed LeBron's career and how people perceived him, you know, because we might be looking at another Charles Barkley type of career without Dwayne Wade, you know, a great player that never won a ring. So I just think when we look at that, Dwayne Wade has to be his number one teammate on top of the friendship they were able to build off the court, man, those two just got that awesome connection. You see them, you know, they're always drinking wine together. They're always hanging out even after their days in Miami. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a. I think to be honest, that's a big what if scenario because you know you're starting to get into okay, would LeBron have even won a ring without Dwayne Wade? 
In my opinion, I think LeBron would have won a, a ring without Dwayne Wade. Might not have been in Cleveland, but I'm pretty sure he would have won one somewhere, regardless, because this is an this is this is that type of a player that he you know he he does he does elevate the teammates around him. I mean, we saw that the you know the moment he left Cleveland, Cleveland became a lottery pick team. I mean, that's that was his impact. One individual player who carried that team to the finals left the team, and then they became a lottery pick team. So I think that for sure LeBron could have won another ring. Like I said, I don't think it would have been with the Cavaliers, but you know, I, I mean, I'm sure he would have won a ring because at the end of the day, this is LeBron James that we're talking about. He still is, you know, he still was the best player in the game and he still had the ability to elevate teammates around him. Yeah. I mean, a counter to that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, cause this is a, what if, you know, we don't know, he obviously wouldn't do it in Cleveland. So who would he pair up with to win another championship? If that's the case, you know, because Dwayne Wade, you know, helped him a lot. He was already a champion and the confidence he gave the ability to play big and big games, you know, I, I think it's going a little undervalued by you guys right now. And if we look at the teams that were in that same area, so he would have had to go against the Spurs, who was a great team. We're talking about the Warriors. They already lost to the Mavs. So who would he pair up that could go against these other great teams? I don't know, you know, so I don't think we could just assume that he would win a championship if he were to pair up with somebody else because the pairing of Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh was something special and Dwayne Wade brought a lot to the table. Yeah, he definitely did. He brought a lot to the table. But again, you know, we'll never know because at the end of the day, LeBron went to the heat and, you know, the rest is history. Exactly. That's why I'm saying his impact is so great on his career because to that point, LeBron James isn't who LeBron James is that we all know today. So I think we got to value his impact that he had with him a little more. seems like it's going a little undervalued right now by you guys. Um, I mean, I clearly said that Dwayne Wade is definitely the second. I just think that Anthony Davis is the first. We're going to switch it to the NFL and talk about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons started out the season 0-5, including multiple blown leads against the Cowboys and the Bears. As a result of this, the general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, and the head coach, Dan Quinn, have both been fired. So, George, was firing Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov the right move for the Atlanta Falcons? So... This was the first time in franchise history that the Falcons started 0-5 since 1997. So to answer the question, I, th I think it was the right move for the organization moving forward to fire the coach because this team had the potential to be great with the weapons they have on the roster. They In the last two seasons, they were 7-9, and and then they started 0-5 this season. Quinn's overall record with the team is 43 and 42. His playoff record was 3 and 2 including that choke job performance against the Patriots where they blew the 28 to 3 lead. Now, the firing of Dimroff is an interesting one to me because he has been able to select great players through the draft 
He drafted Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Jake Matthew, Grady Jerry, Deion Jones, amongst other great cornerstone players for this team to help this franchise become one of the winningest teams in the past 10 years. So since 2008, the Falcons are eighth in the NFL and fourth in the NFC when it comes to wins. So I, I definitely think, you know, firing the head coach was a great move moving forward for them. But the other one, I'm not too sure because he seemed like he was putting the right pieces on this team and helped this team win a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, pretty pretty much everything that you said I was really going to say, but uh, that um, Dan Quinn's Basically, Dan Quinn's days were numbered with the Falcons organization. Like you said, he was 43, 43 and 42 as a head coach. In the past two, previous past two, past two seasons, they were 7-9. And, and then going into this year, they're 0-5. So I guess that's what the – this was like a tipping point for the Falcons organizations. So now they just have uh, Raheem Morris as their interim head coach. Yeah, I pretty much I'm pretty much in agreement with both of you. I think firing Dan Quinn was the right move. I'm not so sure Thomas Dimitrov deserved to go. And, and you know, pretty pretty much I got some statistics here. They're different than yours, George, but they kind of, you know, speak the same message. He was the Falcons GM for the last 12, 13 seasons going back to 2008. He had five successful seasons to start. With two of these seasons, they were the number one seed going 13 and three. This was in 2010 and 2012. He drafted Matt Ryan and Sam Baker with his two first-round picks in the 2008 NFL Draft. We know about Matt Ryan, but Sam Baker was a Pro Bowl caliber tackle that never could stay healthy. In fact, the only two seasons he played all 16 games were 2010 and 2012, the two seasons that I just mentioned that the Falcons went 13-3. and After 2012, they had some down years, but they managed to get back in the playoffs in 2016 and make it to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, we know that Super Bowl as the biggest choke job ever by a team, but nevertheless, they still got there. Them becoming successful again showed that Dimitrov can recreate success even after failure. I understand the Dan Quinn firing because the Falcons, I think, knew that They weren't really going to get much from him anymore considering his all-time flop coaching in the Super Bowl and considering what's happened since then. But I didn't understand Dimitrov when I looked at his resume. He's actually very successful with a franchise that isn't a hot spot for players to land to, uh, for players to land at to begin with. Yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, this league is a business. So that's why I understand the head coach being fired because, you know, you're seven and nine the last two years. You start off 0 and 5. You know, you choked in the playoffs with a huge lead. But the GM was a surprise because to me, it looked like he put the right pieces around this team. And, you know, it's not his job to coach them and to put them in places to succeed his job was to get the pieces there so that the team could succeed and to me it seemed like he did put the right pieces there obviously you know you're gonna have you're gonna draft some great talent you're gonna draft some not so great talent you know like every draft you you don't know who's gonna be who when you draft them so I'm not saying he did the perfect job because no one could do that but I think he definitely did a good enough job on surrounding this team with the right pieces 
And, you know, his firing was definitely a surprise versus the coaches firing. Yeah. And, you know, essentially I'm agreeing with everything that you said again, moving forward though, what direction do you think the Falcons go? Yeah. Um, this will be interesting. I, I think they should go in a younger talent or kind of like what I said about the, uh, when Bill O'Brien got fired. So the same type of coach I would look for, like a Kyle Shanahan type of coach that they had before on there. Uh, I would go with a younger style, you know, get some fresh blood in there. You got a young, a lot of young talent on the team and, you know, it seems like that's the direction the league is moving in. Kind of like the Packers went, you know, the Niners went, the Rams went in. I would go with that style of a head coach versus maybe an older, stuck in his ways type of coach. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I pretty much agree. Go with that younger style of coaching. Um, I I gave some ideas earlier with the. Um, that that coach that got fired, uh, th- those are pretty much the same same ways as the Falcons would go to, like a Lincoln Riley and a person like that, and the 49ers uh, defense coordinator. Yeah, I'm not sure who they're going to go with with head coach, but I mean, a couple things that I think we need to take into consideration too, guys. What do you think that because they've had you know they've had Matt Ryan now for what, 13 seasons? Uh, do you think that at this point they move forward and, you know, find somebody else different in the draft to uh, to replace him? I would definitely, you know, draft someone. I don't think you replace Matt Ryan right now. So I, I would do more of like, a, I guess, like Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre type of deal where you draft someone who you think has that potential because Matt Ryan could still play. You know, I think he could play for a few more years. I, I don't think he's lost his talent yet. So I would definitely, you know, draft someone who I think has talent and then have them learn under a Matt Ryan for the next couple of years and then move on from there. Uh, what are your thoughts, Joe? I'll get him out of there. I don't like him with the Falcons organization. Um, get like a veteran in the free agency, then draft your young QB because you don't want your uh, young QB learning behind a Matt Ryan style of choking. Mm. I, I think, I think he still has some talent. There's no, I don't think there's any questioning that, but it's just, you know, it's kind of, you know, you're just looking at everything that's happened so far. You've seen that the coach has gotten fired. The general manager has gotten fired. Well, the next most important position at that point is the, the quarterback, you know? So when we think about, when we think about that, do we think, okay, is Matt Ryan next? So I'm not, I'm not saying that he doesn't, I'm not saying that he's down and out. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm kind of just saying that the Falcons just might move in a different direction from him simply because they've already moved in a different direction from their coach and their GM. And remember, this is, you know, this is the same GM that drafted Matt Ryan. It was, you know, the first thing, the first major thing that he did was draft Matt Ryan. So at this point, do you think that they just move on and think like, okay, we're just going to toss this era aside and start fresh? Yeah, I, I wouldn't personally. Like I said, 
you know, they, they got rid of the head coach and it's his job to put this team in positions. And when they do have leads to not choke them away. So I think it was mainly his play calling versus Matt Ryan's play, especially when we look back at that Super Bowl. So that's why I, I still believe Matt Ryan could play at a high level. And I, I would definitely draft someone, but I'd have them learn and then see, you know, bring in a new head coach, see what can happen with that. You know, and if it's still not going what you expect and you're still losing games, then maybe you can move forward faster and get rid of a Matt Ryan. But I think you bring in that new coach, see how things play out, you know, still draft your young talent, but I'd have him sit and see how that kind of plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason now, uh, because I'm assuming that they'll look for not only a head coach, but they'll also be looking for a general manager. And who knows what that new general manager will end up doing, if, they, if that new general manager will end up keeping Matt Ryan or not. Yeah, because again, like they, they got weapons, you know, they got the Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley's. So as long as Matt Ryan could get him the ball, those guys will come down with it. So I, I think you focus on maybe that offensive line, a better running back, you know, help them out like that, sure up that defense versus, you know, use that high draft capital for that versus, you know, replacing Matt Ryan when your other, the other spots on your team have holes. Cause Matt Ryan, I believe could still get the job done. Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind too, this is a team that's lost a lot of, a lot of players in their, secondary and their secondary is just absolutely decimated they don't have a single starter from when they started the year in their secondary so that's crazy to think about they've even had some they've even had some second string defensive backs go down as well so they're just absolutely decimated in the secondary and we clearly see that it's allowing teams to come back from leads that the falcons have so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see if Maybe they can recover from this, or maybe they just give up on the season. Who knows? Yeah, because, I mean, the Falcons, they're putting up points, but the defense is also allowing other teams to get back in it and score points too. So it's going to be interesting. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll stick with my gut. Just get them out of there. Get someone in a free agency, then sign your rookie quarterback. All right. We're going to keep it in the NFL and talk about Monday Night Football. The Los Angeles Chargers played the New Orleans Saints on Monday in a battle where the Chargers were in control to start the game, but slowly lost the lead, then lost the game in overtime. The Chargers had a chance to win before overtime, but they would miss the 50-yard field goal that would have won the game. So, George, how impressive was the Saints' comeback win over the Chargers? Yeah, it, it was impressive, you know, because at times Drew Brees isn't looking like himself. I think, you know, age is kind of catching up to him. But I think this has a lot more to say with the Chargers. So, you know, like you said, they had, um, well, they had an 11 point lead in week two against the Chiefs and blew it. They had a 17 point lead against the Bucks and lost. They were up uh, 17 in the second quarter and lost to the Saints. So I, I'm looking at these games and Justin Herbert, he's playing well, especially for being a rookie. This Charger team, they're banged up with injuries all across the team, but that defense definitely needs to step up and help the rookie out when he starts off hot like he did. The kicker needs to make that kick. I don't believe this game completely falls on the shoulders of Justin Herbert, but he did have 
you know, because he did have four touchdowns, 246 yards with no interceptions. And even with Herbert starting red hot and leading them 20 to three, the Chargers find ways to lose these close games. I already mentioned how the kicker missed the field goal at the end of the game that would have sealed the victory, but he also missed an extra point early in the game after Keenan Allen scored his 17-yard touchdown. Uh, Simple errors like that will keep them from winning these close games. They have now lost four one-score games and lost nine of them last year. So Herbert did his part to win this game, but ultimately came down to the play calling who decided to do short runs rather than allow the red-hot Herbert to sling it around. Also, their secondary blew several coverages, for example, when Jared Cook got loose for his wide-open deep score. Um, So Drew Brees had another great comeback, you know, to add to his resume. But to me, it seems like Father Time has caught up to him. How do you guys feel that he's been playing? Do you guys think that age is catching up to Drew Brees? Joe, how impressive was that Saints comeback? And, you know, follow-up question, do you think age is catching up to Drew Brees? The first things first, I want to say something to Michael Bagley, the Chargers kicker. Don't call yourself a money badger if you can't kick a clutch kick. All right, so that's all I'm going to say to that. But um, the Saints proved to me that Drew Brees ain't so washed up. He's still a QB that you don't want to take lightly, and it shows showed during the Chargers game. They gave him too much time in the pocket, and he was able to tie the game. Plus, he was only sacked twice that whole game, and that's a pretty good day for the O-line. And to answer George's question, yes, he's getting older, but older guys don't make that uh, style of comeback. Yeah, this was an impressive win, you know, because this is the kind of win that pumps your team up for, you know, the rest of the games moving forward. But this is definitely, I think, more about the Chargers losing. This isn't necessarily the Chargers' fault either. They have a ton of injuries, which means that there's no depth to this team's defense. Usually when your offense gives you the lead, and it's later in the game, the ball will regularly be in the hands of their offense, which means that late in the game, the defense is going to be on the field a ton. So they were gassed, I think. The defense was just gassed. The Charger, the Chargers finally got Mike Williams back, but they lost Keenan Allen in this game to injury. Eckler is still out too. Major injuries on both sides of the ball for this team, and they still push the Saints into overtime. Like you were saying, George, I'm not sure the Saints are who we thought they were going to be as well. Drew Brees, he didn't push the ball down the field like he normally does. Seemed like his only significant deep pass was the touchdown pass to Jared Cook, which was impressive. But again, it, it was the really the only significant pass, I think, down the field that he threw. And let's keep in mind, he threw the ball 40, uh, 47 times. He threw the ball 47 times in that game. So... Maybe Father Time is catching up to Drew Brees. He is a smaller quarterback too, so maybe the maybe the age is starting to become more noticeable to him be, uh, with him because of the fact that he's a smaller quarterback. I don't know. 
He still definitely is a hundred. He still definitely is very accurate from close to mid range though. And he, you know, that was on full display this past, this past game. But I do think that when they come across a defense that recognizes that and limits the close to mid range game, what's going to happen? Is he going to be able to push the ball down the field when he needs to? I don't know. What are your thoughts, Joe? Y'all must be forgetting that he is missing his number one target from last year. That's true, but his number one target is still a close to mid-range receiver as well. Mike Michael Thomas isn't a deep receiver to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't forget about Michael Thomas, but just when I'm looking at Drew Brees, it, to me it just looks like he's losing some of that zip that he that he used to have throwing the ball. Yeah, and again, you know, this is this is all, you know, eye test really, so we can't make for sure judgment. But like I said, you know, it'll be interesting to see when it gets starts getting later in the season because again, they have their record right now is only what, three and two? Yep. They don't really have an impressive record considering what we thought they would have at this point. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking that they still have a lot of tough games ahead of them. I mean, if you think if you think about it, they still have another game with the Buccaneers. You know, they have they have a game with because I I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe they were the number one seed last year, so they're gonna play. No, they played the Packers already, right? Yeah, they they lost to the Packers, correct? not too sure okay yeah i can i can just check this the season real quick for the saints but uh just to you know just to go off that they still have a lot more tougher games in my opinion yes they did play the packers the packers did beat them um they still have a lot more tough uh games lined up in my opinion you know you still got your divisional games those are always tough you still got well we thought that this game would be good too but you never know the they're gonna play the bears here in two weeks so you never know i mean nick Foles is looking good but you never know which bears team i think is going to show up if a good if the good bears team shows up then hey i mean that's that's going to be a tough game for them for sure and they got the chiefs in week 15 so that'll be interesting as well because that a lot of people circled that and thought okay this is this is the possible super bowl matchup this year and I mean, if Drew Brees by then isn't looking too hot, well, then not a lot of people are going to be expecting that anymore. Yeah, definitely. All right, we are going to keep it in the NFL, but moving to a different topic, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans, two of the remaining five undefeated teams played on a rare Tuesday night. The Titans took the lead early and would not let up as they dropped 42 points on the Bills' defense, resulting in a loss for the Buffalo Bills, their first loss of the season. So, George, what are your takeaways from this Tuesday night game? Yeah, this was definitely a disappointing loss by a 4-0 team that didn't quite look like a 4-0 team on a Tuesday night. Not sure if it had to do with all the COVID news going around or because it was a Tuesday game, which is rare, but it really doesn't matter. Those shouldn't be valid excuses. You know, this is the NFL. 
they are pros. They should be ready. Um, but on the third play for the Bills, Josh Allen threw to an open receiver, Andre Roberts, who fluttered the ball back up in the air, which then got intercepted and taken into the red zone. That right there should have been a catch, but the receiver couldn't hold on to it, and it just heavily swung the floodgates open and gave huge momentum for the Titans, who never let go. Uh, they played sloppy and gave huge field position to the Titans. They had two interceptions, the, a major punt return, a fumbled kickoff. This gave the Titans a touchdown on and had a 30, 18, 16, and a 12-yard drive. You're not going to win too many games when you give the other team great field position like that. And to top it off, the Bills couldn't run the ball. Singletary had 11 carries for 25 yards. TJ Yelton had five for 14. So this was just really an all around bad game by the Bills. So what are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I think this was just, I think the Titans, I mean, I think the Bills just got outplayed by the Titans today. The Titans capitalized on the turnovers from the Bills. It's, it's not like the Bills defense did a bad job on Tannehill. Tannehill had five, uh, I mean not five, had only 195 yards and, th- and his three TDs while Derrick Henry had 57 yards and two TDs. The Bills d- defense st- um, basically stopped their offense, but they just those, those short TDs and run TDs got them in. So, yeah, basically, they just got outplayed by the Titans, and good job to the Titans. Yeah, when when I look at, you know, when I look at this game, it looks like the Bills, you know, they just, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they were ready for this game. It seemed like the Titans were ready for this game. It seemed like, you know, they wanted to come out and they wanted to play football again. I'm sure that with all the drama that's been going on with them, they probably, you know, wanted to just come out and just light up the and just light up the the field. And they really did on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen, who has, you know, who is my who's my personal third choice uh so far this season for MVP, he did not play as well as I, you know, as I would have hoped. He had, you know, a couple picks. And the team, the team overall, they had, like Joe was saying, they had a few turnovers uh, with, you know, not only those two picks, but, you know, the fumble as well. And uh, you're just, you know, you're not going to win. You're not going to win football games when you turn the ball over as, as much as, as the, uh, the bills did. I didn't think it would have that. I didn't think that the turnovers would have that much of an effect on the, on the outcome of the game. And the fact that, you know, the Titans were able to just drop as many points as they did, but at the end of the day, still, you can't, you, you can't give a team like this Titans team, this Titans this Titans team is sound all around. They are, they have a solid defense. They are good in special teams. They got a workhorse running back. And we, you know, I don't throw that name around. I don't throw that title around anymore because there's not many that can do it. Derrick Henry is a workhorse running back and he, you know, he didn't eat a lot, but he made he made work with all the opportunities that he was given and was able to cash in two touchdowns on top of it. I just think that this was just a bad day at the office for the Bills. I think they're going to they're going to have a tough uh they're going to have a tough matchup again 
this next weekend going up against the Chiefs. The Chiefs just lost their first game of the season, so they're not going to be too happy about that loss to the Raiders to their divisional to their you know to their division rivals. So it'll be it'll be tough. Another tough one for the Bills. We'll have to see how it works. The defense needs to defense needs to step up and be better than they were this game for sure. Yeah, and I mean to counter something you said about you didn't think turnovers were going to play this much of an effect. I mean that's what happens. You know, you turn the ball over a lot, you give them great field position. You're not going to win too many of those games, but you know, this is hopefully just one game and they can move forward and learn from it. And hopefully that that's the case because this team has been looking real good this season and you know, they got a great test coming up, like you said, against the chiefs. So let's see if they could rebound. And I mean, the Titans did come out hot, you know, they basically had their bye week so they were a little more rested. And I mean, again, that, that's not a, an excuse because these are professionals. So you got to be ready, whatever the circumstances, you know, you got to go out there and play. So now you just learn from it, move forward and be ready for the Chiefs. Because if you play like this against the Chiefs, they, they might just hang 80 on you. So definitely got to be ready for next week. We'll we'll just have to see. The Chiefs haven't really been playing too hot either lately. Their last two games haven't been that great, honestly. So we'll just have to wait and see. I think they're I think they're going to be hungry, but you never know. Maybe they'll continue their slump that they've kind of, they've kind of been on like a two game slump. Maybe it'll be a three game slump. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. You know, at any moment, I believe Mahomes can you know light it up. So he's been in a a small little slump, probably for his standards, but. I mean, the weapons they got and the player he is, you know, any given moment, any given Sunday, who knows what they can do. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be Highly Contested. Have a good one. Dummy, dummy, dummy.